Welcome to the Friendly Firecast 150, the first podcast we've done in 2020. Uh, I'm Steve from Survivor, and with me is... Ben from Survivor, and I'm surprised we, we didn't really realise we left on a cliffhanger. 149 at the end of 2019, I didn't realise we had a milestone coming up. I wouldn't have waited four months. Well, it's, be, it's because we've been planning so much for this milestone uh, podcast, right, Ben? We have all these 150 right. celebrations planned. The big uh, celebration. We really don't. Um, we've just decided that we were really bored in self-isolation, so we wanted to do a podcast. So, Hi. We could have got away with it. You should have said the coronavirus has cancelled all our plans. We had a big reveal live show, but we couldn't do it. So. Oh, yeah, we had giant giveaways, but they were for games that got delayed, so they're not available. Oh, yeah, all these things. Definite plans. Not really. Um, nice to talk to you. I think this is the first time we've talked properly in self-isolation. We chat, like, in text form all the time, but I don't know if we've... We've not been on a Zoom call or a Skype call or a Microsoft Teams or anything like that before, so... Hi, Ben. No, because I think everyone's doing that at work now. Nobody knew what Zoom was two months ago, but that's what we're on currently. It's all the rage, uh, except at my work where it's been banned for security issues, apparently. Well, I've I've sent this meeting uh, number to Hamish Blake. I don't think he's going to join, but um, Mm. it'd be cool if he did. Yeah, well, that would be, we would have some new material. I think he's (laughs) a gamer, actually. I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, But yeah, how you doing? You've got to ask people, how are you doing in self-isolation? Is your mental health going well? Uh, my mental health is fine. My, uh, alcohol intake is, uh, very, very, uh, greatly increased compared to, to normal. Um, mm. I'm, I've been working home from home for about three weeks, um, which I don't take that for granted. I know that I get to, and a lot of people don't. So, um, case in point, my husband who works at a hospital who obviously isn't working from home. So, um, a little bit of boredom, a little bit of worry, little bit of stress just you know it, it's it is what it is but i'm uh, i'm doing okay how about you that's good well i'm still going to work so i'm not cooped up at home we are directed to still go to in south australia we have one restriction less i think we're at stage two so uh we're not directed to work from home yet and i don't think it will happen to be honest uh so less crazy but still on the weekend everything's shot you know people are doing the right thing so no one's arranging anything even though we can still have 10 people events no one's doing that because it doesn't feel right yeah so, yeah it's more the uh the sitting around and you know looking at the 500 games i could be playing but i just don't feel like it you know you kind of lose some motivation and i'm not sure why but we, yeah. we push on I we did do. get my NBN installed. I moved house about a month ago. Worst timing possible because no NBN. <laughs> the appointments are pushed out because of the coronavirus. So I had to wait and I was so worried it wasn't going to happen. I was stuck on 4G only. I thought the lockdown was going to come. The NBN would get cancelled and I would just have no internet. So um, it does actually make you appreciate a solid connection a lot more when you don't have it for a little while. So uh, yeah, that first day, I obviously had all my consoles turned to no auto updates because I had to save that 4G data. Uh, the first night I put it on, it had only been a month, and I think it was about 600 gig in just Xbox updates happened overnight. So you don't realize how much happens until you don't have it. Oof. But connection is now stable. It's it's a good NBN. Stable. It's working fine. Uh, yeah, what well, supposedly HFC has problems, but it's working fine for me. I can download everything. Uh, so yeah, I'm up to date with all the latest games again. It was, it was a rough few weeks. That's really good. The, the thing that I've noticed is I think because my area has been, uh, NBNs for a little while and I think the self-isolation movement has kind of 
pushed more people to take up the NBN around me because yep. I was getting about 17 uh, megabytes of download in my ADSL connection because I'm a pleb and that's all I have and all I can get. Um, and we're hitting like 20 now in the middle of the self-isolation period. So I think, you know, there's, I, I think, I don't really understand how things work, uh, so I'm no expert, but I think less people using the ADSL connection means I get a little bit more speed. Um, yeah, probably. And I'll take it at this point. You know, the, the, uh, the Optus 4G that we had, like you get two or four, 500 gig a month uh, in the living room that was getting around 20, 25 down in normal times so would go down under 10 in peak. Then I moved it to the other end of the house and it connected to a different phone tower and it got 150 at one point. Damn. So uh, I don't know what's going on, but yeah, it's interesting. It's worth a look if you can't get um, MBN. Yeah, well, and something that's kind of been a godsend, and we've put it up on the site, but I'll maybe make a note of putting it in the show notes. If you have a mobile phone from Telstra, uh, both prepaid or postpaid, you can go and sign up for like extra gig. So I think I I usually get 65 gigabytes as part of my monthly uh, phone plan, but I get 90 for the next couple months until Telstra revisits it or the, you know, self-isolation period is canned. So uh, to download things like Resident Evil 3 as an example, I was tethering to my phone just so I could get it faster um, mm. because I could. But obviously that only works for one or two downloads and then you hit that cap pretty quickly, especially with current gen games. And if we're talking about like this going for months and months and months, that's I don't even know if that would fit one next gen game if it's all 4K ridiculous assets and stuff. But that's yeah, future Steve's not. problem, not current Steve's problem. It did push me to do something a little different because like you, I pretty much buy every game digitally. But because I didn't know when I was going to get internet connected, I bought a couple. Uh, so Resident Evil 3, AFL Evolution 2, and Final Fantasy 7 on disc, which is, I just order them on Amazon. So they get delivered, you know, you order them early. So I had them all set before I got the NBN connected. And it's retro to put a disc in a console. I forgot how it works. Like it goes in there. It installs relatively quickly. AFL came with a freaking printed manual. <laughs> 40 uh, pages you said 40 pages and Jeez. final fantasy is on two discs like i didn't know that was a thing that happened this generation i thought you just got like a little bit of the game and just downloaded 90 gig but no the, the, there was no patch the whole thing came on two discs like uh so yeah the, there is a way still to get stuff without internet i just moved on from it and i had to briefly go back nice well and i think i think i've been too much of like a a fatherly figure to people about this but if you are going to go buy discs that's absolutely fine but just make sure you're doing the right thing when you go like self-isolate socially distance all those buzzwords i've seen way too many photos of people like waiting for games at eb like just standing on top of another and that's like that's if you're going to get sick that's one of the ways that you're going to get sick so just do the right thing people stay safe yeah i'll be sick of hearing it all all those things but I would be. I think uh, most stores do a pretty remiss. good job now. They have the X's on the ground. They kind of most people follow it when they see it there. Yeah, it's just supermarkets people lose their mind. But everything everywhere else, people seem pretty normal. Certainly, bottle shops, people are pretty civil. I found they stand on the X in Dan Murphy's. You get what you want. So, pretty much the only place I'm going at the moment. That's true. Oh man, like because literally my house, there's a car park and then a BWS. So, uh, as I said, my my drinking intake is is gone way up, and uh, I'm already friends with the guys that work there. I'm more so now they, uh, they just got like spittle shields installed at the registers, which is very strange. They look like they're working at a bank. And if they hit a button, like the giant, like shields would come slamming down to stop a robbery or something. But 
I'm sure those people interact with like hundreds of people a day. So any little safety precautions they get to employ, I'm all for it. It's crazy. Like, anyway, I'm trying not to make this like, I'm, I sound like I'm a downer. I'm trying not to be a downer. I'm fine. Everything's fine. We're all fine. There is one activity you can do at home that we finally have lots of time for, and that's play games. So reading. I think it's, uh, oh, oh, you meant games. Also reading. <laughs> you know, I've done a little reading too, but uh, not that much. Uh, <laughs> you can also read. There's three things you can do. You can watch Netflix, four actually. Watch Netflix, play games, read, and as ScoMo said, do a jigsaw puzzle. So we've got all four of those things going on at the moment. Exactly. Variety. Yep. Matt has done like four jigsaw puzzles. I'm too scared to go and help. I think we'd end up fighting if we tried to do a puzzle together. So a puzzle's yeah, his thing. I've been playing video games quite a bit. Um, and thankfully Resident Evil 3 came out and that's like my favorite franchise. So I was quite busy for the last couple of weeks. Sadly, yeah, I well, finished I it. finished that too. I finished okay. it yesterday. Uh, when did you, what are you going to say? When did you finish it? Well, I finished it. I finished two iterations. I finished the Western Resident Evil 3 release and I finished the Japanese Biohazard 3 uh, Zero version release. So I've played like two separate versions of the game so I could get 2,000 gamer score because Uh, I'm that person, Ben. Two questions. How many versions of this game do you own and what's the difference between those two? Uh, Well, I technically own one, but I am friends with uh, Jeremy Pryor who is an American guy who's very into Resident Evil like I am. Uh, We met online when Resident Evil 7 was first announced at E3 because they released that demo straight away. And he and I just kind of became friends on Twitter and were investigating the demo and trying to solve pieces of the the puzzle together. He's a really nice guy. Um, So I had access to the game early on Steam and I provided him access to the game early on Steam and he managed to get a copy of the Japanese version and he uh, made it available to me. So he's very, he's very nice. Thank you if you're listening. Um, and the difference really between the Japanese Ciro, C-E-R-O, that's the um, game classification board uh, acronym. There was that in a normal uh, release is it's like less gory. So if you like do a headshot on a zombie and the head explodes in RE3 in the Biohazard one, it just kind of makes the same kind of visual flash of the head exploding, but it stays intact, if that makes sense. Mm, okay. And it's more gamer score, so yes, please. Yeah, well, I haven't bothered. I am considering, and normally I wouldn't do this, but in isolation, playing it again to get the, I think there's the under two hours, there's the S rank, there's the not use the items box, uh, and you have a bunch of guides to get these. So I'm considering playing through, probably unassisted, just to smash through. Yeah. And mop up some achievements. Normally I wouldn't bother, but I did enjoy playing it the first time, so I might do it. How easy is it to get that under two hours? Uh, very easy, especially if you have an infinite weapon. Um, and if you want to make it even easier on yourself, you can go into the shop and get the bolt cutters and the lock pick. So rather than mm. backtracking a lot in the first area, you just go straight to the bolt cutter areas, breeze by it um if you are more frugal and save up your shop points you can get the infinite rocket launcher and then like everything's just a piece of cake so there's various ways of doing it i got the thousand gamer score in i think it was like 16 hours on the japanese version because i played it so many times i was just speeding through and i did my like one heel uh no item box two hour 
run in like one hit and then I just kind of saved up for the rocket launcher and then smashed it on nightmare and inferno to get the achievements that are the hardest ones, I guess. So it's not too bad. You got to put a little bit of time into it, but I, it's short. It's really short. Like you can finish it in an hour if you're quite good at it. If you're not so good, you know, like an hour and a half to two hours. So it's not a huge time investment. Um, And if you're looking for an S rank, you can save five times, but also the game auto saves and that doesn't count. So there's a lot of kind of tricks that you can employ to get to an S rank and get a lot of points and go to the shop and make it even easier the next time around. So I don't know if I'm just talking in circles now, but it's relatively easy. Did that help you at all? Or am I just blabbering? Uh, I think I might try for the the two hour run, but I'm probably not going to go back and do heaps of them. But we've talked about the achievements. What about the actual game? Uh, I've never played the original. So I think Resident Evil 3 was the only main series game I hadn't played and finished. So I finally done it. And to me, um, it felt very much like kind of an add-on to Resident Evil 2 remake. It, it, it is short. Even playing it normally, it took about five hours. And it doesn't feel like it. You know, there's a bunch of reused assets. Story-wise, it's following the same track. And from what I understand, that's what the original Resident Evil 3 was, right? It was a quick follow-up yeah. to RE2 and was never meant to be the sequel. It was meant to be a side story that didn't have Jill as the protagonist for a bit, and then they decided to make it the proper sequel, number three, and they put Jill in the protagonist's place. Um, and just like the remake, it takes place a day before and a day after Resident Evil 2. Um, it was a little bit more adventurous. The original, it had like a dodge mechanic, not the same as, as in the remake, obviously, because the game's a lot different, but a similar-ish kind of dodge mechanic to get out of the way of zombies. So they were more aggressive and kind of more action uh, oriented. And um, there was a really cool, uh, I think it was called live action scenario kind of chooser. So a couple times when Nemesis usually would do something to Jill, she could pick between like A or B and it would not hugely, but it would impact how the story played out. So she would electrocute Nemesis or she would throw a gas thing and explode. Um, like, uh, I forget where that was. I think it was the restaurant. That might not be right. So, and then, you know, the game would change because obviously if you electrocute Nemesis, everything's kind of still intact. But if you blow up a building, that changes the landscape of Raccoon City. So there were cool things about 3 that they took some chances with in the original. And I don't think they've done that at all in, in the remake. Um, it's still really good to me. It's kind of polished and it's not kind of, it's quite polished and, and enjoyable, but it's not Resident Evil 2. I gave that a 10 yeah. the remake that is. And I gave this one an eight. Like it's still good, but it's, it's yeah. Like a side, an add on as you were saying. Yeah. It feels like an expansion to RE2 basically. Here's some more story. Um, I know all I really knew about it beforehand was that Nemesis would appear at some point. And the first time it happens about an hour in, well, not the very start of the game, but the first time you encounter him within, within the game about an hour in, I thought, I don't know if I want to do this because it seems way too tense. But then it was all very scripted. So after that, it felt like he was no threat at all because I knew, oh, okay, I can easily get around him, throw a grenade and just run basically. And I know he's not going to turn up randomly because every time he has done so far, it's gone to a cutscene basically. So yeah. was it more randomized in the original? Um, yes. It was, so he, he kind of chased you around set locations, but it wasn't just, so there's a couple that I, if, God, I'm not making a lot of sense. If 
the downtown nemesis encounter would have kind of kept up in that form where he's just running around free roam and you're kind of trying to avoid him. I would be, I would have been really, really happy with that in various Mm -hmm. stages in the remake. And that's how it is kind of in resident evil three in the original. I, I found that most of the nemesis encounters after a certain point were just, you know, like running forward and he was behind you and you couldn't really see him because you're supposed to be always moving forward and kind of just going down this linear path. So I didn't like most of the nemesis encounters. I feel like they've changed what they were probably going to do because people, people either loved or hated the Mr. X stuff in Resident Evil two. Like yeah. it made me very anxious and I disliked it, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the challenge and I didn't like it because that just made me want to like be super anxious. But I, I really liked how those encounters were scripted or not even scripted. Those encounters were set up. So, you know, you never felt comfortable you're always on edge and like you said with with re3 i don't feel like that was there at all but i feel like that was almost intentional because that's probably capcom reacting to how uncomfortable people were with resident evil 2 and either you loved it and you kept going or you just were immediately turned off the game so yeah well i felt exactly the same i didn't like mr x but i liked it at the same time i liked when (laughs) i i got past it it was a genuine accomplishment uh, but it was super anxious. I don't think I felt that anxious in the game since or a long time before. And I thought that's what was going to happen here, but even more. And I kind of almost put me off playing it. So I, I think you're probably right. They probably thought that would be too much if we do that again. But it also kind of nailed it there. So they probably wanted to do something different. Yeah. Um, and also this game was must have been developed very quickly. So I think that has something to do with it as well. Capcom said that, because it's a separate team that did this um, than the one that did RE2, and Capcom has said that this has been in development for as long as RE2 was. I don't know if I necessarily believe that, but that's what Capcom's saying. I don't believe that, because after RE2, they basically said, do you want more? Maybe we'll consider doing RE3. Yeah, and they've asked, asked, like, since, do you want more remakes? So, to me, it's a toss-up if they're going to do Code Veronica or Resident Evil 4 next. And they are. Like, they're just going to keep pumping these out, like... Because they print money. And well, and four is probably a good one to do. We've yeah. had so many versions of four, but we haven't really had a, a better looking version. We've just had the you know slightly high res three sixty oh. game. And the controls so, break RE four at this point. Like they're so outdated and so yeah. just hard to get your brain back into. Um, Code Veronica is probably the worst game in the franchise. Um, the pacing's really really bad. There's a lot of backtracking. It kind of meanders for a while. It's super long. Um, So if any game would benefit from like the remake in the franchise, it would be Code Veronica. So I kind of hope they do that one next. Um, But we'll see. I think... You think I'd consider the first game again? I know we had that remake, but that was a long time ago and it's not in the current style. So would they go back there? Maybe. I think that'd be good. I really, really like the, the original not original remake. <laughs> yeah. If that made sense. Um, because it was kind of like for the time it was evolving the gameplay, but keeping to the roots of the fixed camera angles and all that kind of stuff. So I, I really like the remake. I like I'll play resident evil, whatever they decide to make it to be honest. So who am I, who am I to talk? But I think um, it's quickly going back to the nemesis thing the original RE3 was called Resident Evil 3 Nemesis. And I think they 
couldn't call the remake that because Nemesis is so removed from the story in comparison to the original. Like he's, he's not the main focus of the game. He's just kind of there and present. So I don't know. That was disappointing, but I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it enough to play it, you know, two iterations to a thousand gamer score plus, I think I'm like one achievement away on steam for getting the whole set there too. So I played resident evil three a lot. So you really enjoyed it. It is, it's a very polished game. It's in the same vein as two. So I think there's a lot of enjoyment here. It's probably just that if you don't want to replay it, the value is probably not there. Yeah. If you're not going to do what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so the original RE3 also was the first, I think. I might be wrong. That's really bad if I am. But I believe it was the first to introduce the Mercenaries uh, secondary game mode, which wasn't multiplayer, but was kind of like the multiplayer-esque kind of bit to the franchise um and capcom didn't do that this time around they dropped that mode and instead released a title that was bundled with re3 but is for all um intents and purposes like a second game uh called resident evil resistance uh it used to be called project resistance if you're sort of following it and it's just like a 4v1 uh online only game where you have to play with other people and either play as four survivors trying to escape or play as one mastermind trying to kill the four people who are trying to escape. Um, have you played any of it, Ben? Not at all. I've had a look at it and it just didn't seem that interesting to me. So I'm not bothered. It's Well, maybe after this, we should jump in and give it a try because it's kind of fun. Um, the problem that I have is it's. I think it's just it's uh, not... What's the server word that I want? The server, the host is the... Is the server person god words dedicated servers doesn't have dedicated servers thank you um so it kind of is reliant upon the five internet connections of the people playing and i think i must be the only australian playing and i just have the worst time and my connection's so bad like i'm shooting at a dog but i'm not actually hitting the dog even though it looks like on my screen i am and then the dog like five seconds later is mauling me even though it was halfway across the room like it's that's awful um there's well, three ways. Tonight. I know, right? Well, maybe maybe we'll have a better luck when we're playing two Australians. We'll have a try. Okay. Um, there's three kind of waves of or three rounds uh, as the survivors when you're escaping. And generally, my internet connection is fine for the first two, and then on the third, when you're like the last thing you need to do to to actually escape, my internet just falls over. So I don't think it's actually my internet. I just think it's the way that um, the net code's been done or i don't know like i said i'm not an expert at this kind of stuff but it just always falls over so yeah uh, it, it seems to slip under the radar a bit in that you heard a, quite a bit about re3 but i didn't even realize this was a thing that came with it until it installed itself so yeah, yeah. well i played it at um in london at xo19 and it was like obviously just on a lan it was really really good um there's like a practice mode that you can run so you can just kind of get used to the different characters because they all have like overwatch style abilities and they all can do different things um and playing the practice mode feels like playing re3 and then you go and play like online properly and you just feel like you're wading through molasses so it's enjoyable but the connections are so bad that really takes away from most of the enjoyment hooray well we'll try it anyway yeah we'll see how we go uh, before we do that, though, let's talk about more games. Uh, probably Final Fantasy VII was the the next biggest. I know we've been away for three months, but you know, whatever. Um, and Australians got it like a week early, so 
year for us. Yeah, that was nice. That was good work by Square Enix to see the current state of things and release it early. So, yeah. Thanks, COVID-19. Yeah. You don't say that very often. So, uh, how much have you played? Not a lot. I think I'm probably two or three hours in. So, I've only got through the first few chapters, really. Um, you finished the, like, Sector 7 little side quest-a-thon? Or are you still in that? Uh, I'm in Sector 7. I think I just got the trophy for finishing the third chapter, maybe. I can't quite remember. But, okay. uh, yeah, I'm in that zone. So, you've had some fights at this point? Yes. Okay. Yeah. The, I think the battles are really fun. If we're talking about good things about Final Fantasy VII, I think when, when everything's working really, really well, you're analyzing your opponent, finding their weaknesses, bouncing between the characters in your party to uh, exploit those weaknesses, to stagger enemies, to pile on the damage. And when you're playing like that, super duper fun. Um, but then there's like the flip side of the battles is half the time, you're just basically button mashing to beat someone up and then they're dead. And that's kind of a downside. Um, the biggest problem I have with Final Fantasy VII is that there's so much padding. It's like a 40-hour game based on, I don't know, like the first 10, 15 hours of the original Final Fantasy VII. So they just like stretch out every single narrative element and they add in stuff that was kind of just a throwaway reference in the original. And as Fun as I, as much fun as I had with it, I just was kind of wanting it to just keep going forward. And then, like, you get to the ending, which I will not ruin for you. Um, it's pretty divisive uh, in that. Uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's not good. <laughs> but it's it's like the same thing as RE three. It's like it's good. It's polished. It's enjoyable. When it hits the right beats, it like really hits them and nails them, and it's like perfection but then there's a lot of stuff that just really takes away from the overall experience i don't know if that's what you've been kind of getting from it thus far or if maybe you're still kind of in the the intro really so you tell me yeah. it's still pretty early days um and i did i started well i played the demo on normal and i decided i can't be bothered with this so i'm going to play it on easy which is too easy uh but normal i thought was going to take too long if i had to fight everyone with that level of combat so I would have liked it if there was a mode in between, like something between easy and normal, because I, I can't be bothered playing this for 50 hours. So I want to... I know there was a lot of, you know, Kotaku or someone said, don't play this on easy, but that's definitely why I'm going to do that, because to hell with them, yeah. I can't be bothered putting 50 hours into this button mashing combat. I want to get the combat done a bit quicker. So, yeah, I can see that it's going to go down that path. It's going to be when you use some tactics, there's probably going to be that RPG element there, but it the action that I've added in does seem very button mashy. That yeah. said, I'm enjoying it a lot so far. So uh, yeah, I don't think I've played Final Fantasy VII before either. Or if I did, I didn't play much of it. So huh. another remake, which is new to me. <laughs> um, it's you can get the original on Xbox One for like ten bucks uh, if you really wanted to dump another fifty hours into something. And let's face it, you might have a lot of time on your hands in the next couple months, so you might consider That's it. That's true, uh, but I'm already going to say hard pass on that. I'm not playing the same game twice with a hundred hours. That's out. <laughs> so, like something that I can kind of equate th- what happened. So, as an example, when you're in the first Mako reactor at the very, very start of the game, in the original, um, you go to Jesse and she goes, "Oh, my leg got stuck, but I'm." I'm free now. And in yep. Final Fantasy VII Remake, you talk to Jesse. She walks forward. Whole big cutscene shows something happened. She gets her leg caught under something. You have to go and do all this 
stuff to get to her to free your leg. And then she talks to you for a little while. And then, so like just every single encounter from the original has just been like stretched, stretched to try to fit, you know, like a, a proper length JRPG. Um, we don't even know when the next bit of this, if it's the second half or if it's like the second third of the, uh, the full story comes out. So I don't know. It's just one of those weird ones that I wish square would have just kind of held back condensed it polished it released it as one game that yeah you know, it's a little strange they've done the hobbit with it basically let's stretch this out for a trilogy when it doesn't have to be uh yeah i think they did say trilogy or at least that was the rumor i don't know if they confirmed that or not so it could be a while before we get to the end yeah maybe i don't know um i'm not even you know what ben this is a, a new world self-isolation mm. I am literally just going to pause the podcast so I can go get a beer. You can do that if you want as well. And then we'll come back and talk about more games. Okay. And just like that, the magic of the internet, we're back. New beer in hand, at least for me. I don't know if you did or not, but that's yeah, your choice, so My fridge is running low. Um, actually, I've got a selection at the moment. I've, I've got a, a Heineken. Uh, I've got whatever's in the fridge. I've got a little, I'm going through my old supply of booze, basically. Nice. So it's like a random pick of beer at the moment. We just got what was on sale a few weeks ago, and now there's whatever comes out. I have a Heineken Mid Strength Pure Malt Beer. Uh, see, I'm I feel not less guilty. With that I just feel less guilty. We've got Pure Blonde as well, I think. that's you know It says ultra low carb on the label, so that's got to be healthy. Oh, definitely. And I'm drinking a Mid Strength beer like I would, Ben, if I was able to go to the footy, which, of course, we are not. But no. um, thankfully, AFL Evolution 2 maybe will scratch that itch. It will scratch an itch, certainly. Uh, so, yes, this had a really weird release, this game. So to backtrack a little, it was meant to come out at the start of last season, so 2019. It kept getting delayed. Uh, like Every week, they were basically like, oh, this is delayed a few months again. And we got to the end of the year, and they said, it's still going to come out in December. And everyone said, well, you know, the small group of Twitter people who cared said, why? Why not just push it back to the 2020 season? And they eventually announced that would happen. They said, "All right, we're not going to be able to make it because it's ridiculous to launch this summer, this winter sport in summer." And then it finally came out, and the real AFL season is suspended indefinitely. So, kind of unlucky from that point of view. But it is here. Uh, you can play it. I had to go back and read my AFL Evolution One review to remember how bad it was. Uh, <laughs> gave that one four out of ten. This one's a six. So. Pretty much to, to review this, I just read my own review and addressed the previous issues I had, and they fixed most of them. So I don't know if you played or tried to play uh, the last one. It, it was pretty much a 360 game, so they released a game called AFL Live 2 in 2013, and that was based on a Wii game that came out in 2011. So they've been using the same game and just making some tweaks to it. That's and a sign of quality. Yeah, they've, they've gotten some use out of it. It's not really a new game. Uh, but they've finally kind of gone through, I have to assume to a degree, they probably got the reviews of the last game and they kind of went through the main issues people had, assuming they had the same issues I did. And a lot of the key points have been addressed. So it does actually play kind of like a real AFL game now. Uh, the last one didn't at all. Players, you know, if you watch a football game now, players follow the ball basically and they're all in a third of the ground. That's not what the old game was. They all just kind of stood in their position. Uh, <laughs> So very 90s. But yeah, they've, it does play a lot more like an AFL game. I think there's some level of fun. 
if you're willing to commit to it. It's still kind of glitchy. It's still an old game. I, that's probably the main thing I've got to get through. Hopefully, we get a new AFL game next generation, but it, it's an updated version of a game we got a long time ago. Um, but it's, it's all we're going to get because it's such a small market. It's such a small budget. Uh, it does feel like people cared about this one a bit more when they made it. So I think if you really want to play an NFL game, if you want to go back to that PS2 era, uh, there were a couple of games on PS2 which people really liked because they kind of had that enjoyment, that passion, but they were terrible games as well. But they were still fun there. So I think they've gone back to that. Uh, and yeah, it's we can play or witness the 2020 AFL season, which may never return. So it's the only way to do it. I think it's worth playing if you're really into it, but it is it is an old game. That's pretty much my main point. Do you think the AFL would ever consider using it to simulate matches uh, like some other sports uh, codes are doing while right. they're uh, shut down? Hmm. I don't think so. It's too... I mean, you could have a couple of... Yeah, it's just too random. Even I simulated through some of a season to get to the end and the results don't make any sense like even within the game. So simulated matches aren't that great. Um, the so player, what you're saying is North Melbourne won the grand final. In your I actually got Melbourne to win a grand final in simulation. So oh, damn. That's how fake this game is. <laughs> uh, if you're a non-AFL fan, Melbourne is the first football club. I actually think that they might be the oldest football club of any code in the world that still exists. Um, so they've been around since like the 1840s or 50s or something. And they've only won one premiership in the 60s. So a uh, friend of the show, Gaetano, uh, has been well, not alive since their last premiership, but his, his dad was and he's a big fan and he's, he's never seen a real one. He can see it in AFL Evolution 2. It is possible. Melbourne has won a premiership. Uh, and I needed them to get in the cheek, basically. No, I didn't. Oh, wow. <laughs> Too obvious that it was fake. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, I do feel one of the only main additions I've had in terms of modes is they've added a live um, match mode, basically, where you're meant to be able to get the current results of the most recent round and resume from like half time. So say, you know, Melbourne's 20 points down and they lose, you can resume with Melbourne 20 points down and then change the game and win. Oh, um, cool. I think a lot of other sports games have that too. But obviously yeah. that doesn't work because the real season is not happening. So the one extra mode they've added is not actually really available. Uh, but yeah, that's a bit of a shame. That's not really their problem though. That's unlucky. Well, it works in that the, uh, the results are 0-0. Zero, zero. Um, so you can that's just true. jump in. And, uh, and take over from there. Yeah, well, we've got round one happened, so you can play it for round one only. Uh, yeah. Whoops. Well, yeah. Um, I, I haven't really played a lot of AFL games, and uh, if I read your review and took one thing away from it, it's that you have 40 pages of uh, instruction manual telling you how to play and mm. uh, nothing that really helps you in the game to uh, get used to controls and the lights. No, there's no tutorial. The tutorial in the game is just that menu again, the manual again on the screen. Uh, so <laughs> basically it's a figure it out situation. So yeah, good luck to you if you're going to play online and haven't played the last one. I would rather play Animal Crossing and uh, watching Matt play Animal Crossing, I don't really want to play Animal Crossing. So maybe you can try to convince me mm. why that is fun for people? Well, I probably won't because here's the thing. <laughs> uh, I Animal Crossing is already, it's only been out for a, about a month, maybe even less, actually only a few weeks. Um, it's one of my most played Switch games. I think I've already hit like Switch counts up in five hour increments. I think I'm at 25 or 30 hours. 
And there's not many Switch games besides your Mario and Zelda's which hit that for me. Yeah. So I'm already there, but I'm kind of over it. Um, it's just such a drainer. Now, I really liked Animal Crossing. It's the original on GameCube, which was originally an N64 game. And they basically remake that game every time they do it. So talking about remakes, this is probably you could throw this in. They kind of just evolve it, but it's, it's remaking the same thing. And they add some new features. This one, you're on an island um, and you do the same things. You've got to earn your way to basically pay off your house um, pretty much through the fruit trade initially. You start your island with a, I had oranges. I don't know what Matt had. And you try to get other Matt fruits. Matt has oranges. So you guys are like incompatible. Uh, There's no point in being friends. Yeah. Does he have other fruit? Because I have pears and peaches as well. He has friends with, see, I don't really understand. So I, uh, he has, we have a really good friend named Matt, also named Matt, who has peaches. And mm. I think his friend George had something else. So I guess if he's yeah, obtaining so those, he friends. can plant his own trees and then he has those things in his island too? Or does he just have to keep going to their island to get them? No, once you've got them, you can plant them and then you have them on your island too. So okay. That's well, a big why don't I just the, invite you to Matt's island and you can pilfer from it? Is that... I think we've got the same thing. Yeah, that's what you do. Know. So you can okay. visit your friend's <laughs> island. That's much easier than the old days. Back on GameCube, you had your island on your memory card. You took that to your friend's house and put it in slot two and traveled to their town. Like old school. Jeez. Uh, now it's all online. Uh, yeah, so pretty much it's not a long play game. So I, I turn it on, I play it for five to ten minutes a day, do whatever thing happens because the main point of Animal Crossing is it's a real-time game. So each day in the real world is a new day in the game. Um, different times make a difference. So the turnip plate only comes between 5 a.m. and midday on Sundays. So I bought some turnips this morning. We're recording on a Sunday. Uh, Matt told me about that. And then you can go to other people's uh, islands who have better turnip stock exchange prices than you. Yeah. So uh, the Nook store, whatever yours is called, it starts as Nook's Cranny. Uh, They will buy turnips off you. And two times a day, they have different prices. It's like a mini stock market, basically. And you try to buy, you have to buy them for what they cost. And they're pretty, they start pretty high. Uh, and then you need to try to sell them higher, obviously. But at the end of the week, so next Sunday, the turnips will spoil and then they're worth nothing. So you need to sell them at some point during the week, try to make more money, but it's a gamble. And it's, you know, it's kind of funny in the current economy. The thing I'm most worried about is my turnips spoiling uh, and losing <laughs> well, me a bunch of bells. Yeah. I guess that's a nice distraction from the problems of the actual real world worrying about. Yeah, I can, leave, I can leave my house in Animal Crossing, I can go see other people. <laughs> Uh, yeah, think of all those nook miles you're getting. Jeez, like we're we're not getting air miles. Yeah, in the real world. It's, just, it's always been a bit of a chore game in that you've got to weed your island, you've got to earn money basically to keep building your house. There's a lot of social commentary there people could put on, uh, but this one allows you to eventually terraform the island and basically change the whole area and set it up. So there's it's much deeper than the the older Animal Crossings. Uh, I can't remember the 3ds one, so maybe that had it too, but. Uh, yeah, and I've just I've reached the point already where I don't think I can be bothered doing all that. So I'm, I'm pretty much just paying off my house. That's my focus. Uh, I like it. I know it's good. I'm just yeah. focused on paying off my house. And Animal like Crossing. The, yeah, I don't. I, in the real world, I'm not paying off any house, so you've got to pay uh, it off somewhere. Um, Matt has a spreadsheet that I've seen where he has all the different uh, fish that can be caught, and it's broken down into like time of day and location in the real world because it's different depending on the hemisphere and yeah 
uh, Matt with the peaches is in LA. So I think they're mats are tag teaming going to each other's Island and oh, cause he was trying to circumvent a... some of that. So yeah, I don't so quite understand is... what they're doing, but they seem to be doing it for many hours a day. Unlike the seasons like make, yeah, the seasons make a big difference. And I think this is the first one you can pick which hemisphere you're in. So it used to always annoy me that we would have like snow during December because you, you know, they just assumed everyone is in the Northern Hemisphere. So they finally let you pick. We can have the correct weather uh, for our real-world environment somewhat. There'll still be snow, I assume, in winter, but you need that for some variety. Yeah. Well, you can just pretend you're up in the... Uh, yeah, that's true. Mount Buller or mountains. something. Yeah. Look, it's, uh, it's a game which even back when I used to... I put in hundreds of hours on GameCube and probably progressively less on the future games, but then I'm, I'm kind of back to a degree here. And the more you explain it to someone, the worse it sounds. It's like... You know, it sounds like a, your daily life chores, which it is, but for some reason it's quite relaxing. And it's just that, you know, we talked about Resident Evil being really tense, at least RE2. It's the flip side of that. It's just a game you can just sit down and play after work for a short period if you don't have hours to play, but you just want to check in on something and progress something a little bit. Uh, it's a relax, relaxing little short play game. You can do what Matt's doing and spend hours getting your fish if you want, or you can ignore that and just play a little bit. So that's the appeal of Animal Crossing. Well, there you go. Um, anything else that you've been playing? I've been playing a lot of like really weird board games on um, Xbox, like Pandemic, the board game. You know, I played Pandemic yesterday just to get the achievements uh, and because I thought it sounded accurate. I think it's on Game Pass. That must be why I played it. Yeah, it uh, is. It's really fun. I like it. I've never played the actual board game, so no, I can't compare it, but it's. It, I was having fun with it. Um, once you get it, like it took me a little while to understand what I was actually supposed to be doing, but now I get it and I'm quite strategic. Yeah, I don't really get it. Uh, it no, takes I'm a bit of time. A lot. What else have I been playing? Trivial Pursuit, Uno, Jeopardy, uh, Wheel of Trivial, Fortune. Trivial Pursuit, any good or is it the same old questions? Uh, no, it's good. Trivial Pursuit Live is what it's called. It's fairly old. Um, Matt and I play it together. Um, you can try to play online, but uh no one's really online to play it Mm. but i guess if you and claire played and matt and i played we'd have four contestants as opposed to just two and two ai so something to consider i think it's pretty cheap um yeah okay and you can set like us or uk english and it really changes the questions um and i'm not sure which is better because there's some like really english ones and there's some really american ones so like matt and i both don't get the uk ones sometimes and sometimes I'll get some of the American ones that he doesn't. Um, mm, so basically, neither are ideal for us, but they're both okay. Yeah, yeah, and it's still really good. Um, Uno is actually really, really fun. It's I think it's like fifteen bucks. Uh, it's Ubisoft made that one. I think they made all these Hasbro kind of ones actually. Now that I think about that, but um, it's fun. There's like the normal Uno rules, and you can put on extra ones, um, like stacking plus two and plus four cards and all that kind of stuff. So it's pretty enjoyable. Um, Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune aren't as good. And they're those kind of weird games where like Matt and I were looking for games to play together, but and like Trivial Pursuit as an example. Like not that it matters, but we can both sign in and we can both work towards achievements and play trivia and have fun. Um where like some of the weird ones only give you achievements for like the first person logged in. So it's just like one more thing to argue about in self-isolation. <laughs> but um it's still they're all pretty good. They're all like really cheap right now. Um, and I don't have a lot of like yeah. actual physical board games. Um, there's a massive sale on Xbox and I think on PlayStation too. So there's all this stuff is pretty cheap if you're interested or just go to Games Pass and pretty much 
find something because there's heaps of stuff there. Yeah. I just bought the Sims 4 for like 15 bucks as well in case I feel like playing the Sims. You might, you never know what's going to happen in isolation. You might get desperate enough to play anything. Well, that's what I mean. There you go. Uh, (laughs) Let's talk about some news, I guess. Um, We've been away for three months. So there's a lot of stuff, I guess, in terms of next gen consoles to discuss. Um, mm. probably the, the newest thing is the new PS5 controller called the DualSense, not the DualShock. And I think they've called it a new name because it's basically uh, a completely different configuration. Now it looks like a, an Xbox controller, really, not a DualShock. It has the uh, offset thumbsticks as an example as to why it's not your uh, old school DualShock. What do you think about it, I guess? Or what do you want to talk about the, the aesthetic look of it first? Uh, I mean, I would like an all black one. I didn't like the two toned; looked unfinished to me. But I've got a feeling that that's what the console is going to be. It's going to be a white and black, which is what the Xbox One S was. But it was a very subtle little black trim. This is a lot more in your face, harsh change. It looks um, like a really dodgy like prop from a bad sci-fi movie, like the weird two tone, like it's supposed to be super futuristic looking, but it's just a controller that's white on the top and black on the bottom. It's kind of, it's kind of strange. I saw an all black one. I assume it was a Photoshop and it it looked good. So that's what I want that to look like. I think otherwise I really like it. I think it's going to feel a lot more comfortable. Even going back to play Final Fantasy VII now, having been on my, I will admit the $250 Series 2 Elite controller, uh, it's, it is hard to go to the DualShock. It just feels too small. I don't like the stick placement. I don't like the triggers feel terrible. Uh, they still look too short, the triggers here, I think. They still look too spongy like they are, but we'll have to get one and see. Yeah. But I think the, the shape of the controller, it's all about that. You know, Xbox have even said on Series 1, um, or X, I should say, confusing name, Yeah. Uh, that that they, they just pretty much kept the same controller but made it slightly more ergonomic. And I think that's what Sony's gone for. They've finally admitted that we've had the same design since the PS1, basically, with only slight tweaks, and it's it, not that comfortable. It's not uncomfortable ever since the DualShock 4 has been fine. It was a big improvement, but I think it's time to move on. So, yeah. Um, yeah oh, and I'm, I'm totally lying. Like Sorry, I've seen so many mock-ups. It doesn't have offset uh, thumbsticks. It just has normal DualShock yeah. thumbsticks. Yeah, I, I saw so. I saw so many mock-ups that have different things, and like there's the one black one, there was the one that looked like an Xbox so don't yeah. listen to me. It still has the DualShock thumbstick configuration that you're yeah, using. Yeah, it's just the uh, the rest of it will feel like an Xbox controller, I think. They're sticking with the touchpad, so uh, that's for the three backwards compatible PS4 games that used it. I, I don't really know why they need that. Uh, the share button is now a create button. I do think it's pretty funny that I think it's just got like three dots above it and the other one has the hamburger three lines. So if you had to explain to your you know, casual gaming partner, press start, you know, because that's still what I call the button, start and select or share or whatever. Uh, how are you going to know what to press? Like there's no indication of what these buttons are anymore. Same on Xbox, you know. So I think they haven't considered that, but we've all moved on apparently. That's cool. And yeah, so they are they are keeping the inset sticks. Not my preference. I think it's much more comfortable to have them offset, but I know a lot of people like it. So now you can choose basically. Yeah. Um, the create button, they're going to detail what that means. Uh, they didn't s- explain it beyond it's not the uh, share button. It's called create, which I thought was very Sony. Exactly the same as the share button. Cause if you press it now, it'll give you an option. Do you want to save this? Do you want to go to the edit studio? Do you want to do a video? Do you want to do a screenshot? I think it's going to be that again. Like, yeah, 
Yeah, and in, in very Sony style, they were talking about there's uh, an inbuilt microphone, so if you want to talk in a party without a headset, you can. Um, they kind of neglected mm. to tell people that there is the ability to connect a headset to it. Uh, <laughs> that was kind of like secondary uh, as part of their messaging, which was, in, in my opinion, really weird. Um, That's a good function, treatment. actually, because a lot of people don't, you know, how often do you have someone who's like, oh, I can't be bothered getting my headset or I don't have it. So if that works, I think that is a good change as long as it doesn't pick up too much feedback from your own audio. So when people had Connect as their mic, for example, it didn't really work because it would pick up the audio from that person's TV and it wasn't great. So how they avoid that, I'm not sure. And also like you're smacking buttons and yeah. the microphone is in that thing that you're manhandling. Like if I grab my microphone in front of me right now and start moving it, you'll hear like, like, you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. So I don't know. Um, it, they, they did say that it's not meant to be a replacement of a headset, but it's meant to work in lieu of a headset, I guess. And the headset's still the uh, preferred method of uh, vocal delivery. Anyway, uh, adaptive triggers and haptic feedback. That was the other big thing um, with the controller. So it looks all right. Um, we still haven't seen the PS4 five itself but we did get full uh specs from a mark cerny presentation not too long ago um it's all kind of above me if i'm being honest but as an example uh it will run it or output at 10.28 teraflops compared to the xbox series x's 12 um a lot of the stuff's pretty similar between the two consoles so they're both running um eight uh cpu cores uh, I think the PS5 is at 3.5 gigahertz and the Xbox is at 3.8. Um, they both have 16 gigabytes of memory. Uh, there's some differences in, I guess, how the memory uh, and the bandwidth kind of go for each of the consoles. But again, like I don't know enough to really talk about it. Um, I guess the huge difference um, on the Series X that we didn't know about before uh, or since we've talked last, Ben, is it has... Uh, memory sticks like we're back in memory cards are back nine proprietary memory cards i think these are going to be expensive because they're one terabyte ssds basically yeah but i think it's a good idea i mean if microsoft decides to take a bit of a hit and cover some of the costs so they're affordable this is how you can expand your storage and still get the benefit of the they've been touting using ssd we're going to reduce loading times and make games a lot better to play and run a lot smoother But if you have them on a normal hard drive, that's not going to work. So at least on Xbox, and I'm going to assume it's going to be the same for the PlayStation, that's not even an option. You need to run it off the SSD or the SSD memory card. But they have confirmed you can save it on a, you know, you can get like a 10 terabyte external hard drive, keep all your games there that you're not using right now so you don't have to download them, but you have to move it across when you want to play it. I think that's that's a good compromise for cost versus functionality. So yeah, we'll see what Sony does. I think so as well. Um, so the Series X will let you use your existing USB hard drives. All your Xbox games or 360 or original Xbox games can play straight off those USB hard drives. But like you said, any Xbox Series X game has to be on um, the either expansion SSD or your internal SSD, which is also a one terabyte uh, internal drive. The PS5's internal drive is 825 gigs. Uh, it's also an SSD. Uh, it has an expandable SSD slot that will take uh, NVMe SSD uh, drives. 
uh, Sony's going to certify the ones that will be able to be used, but because they actually don't exist yet, uh, mm. we don't have those certifications until <laughs> probably the uh, launch of the console itself, which is interesting yeah. to say the so least. So this is where they differ. Sony's just using a, you can use anything which will be compatible, which they have done with the PS5. I mean, you can swap your own hard drive if you want, which you can't do on Xbox. You have to plug in an external drive. Um, Microsoft is going a step further or a step back, you could say, saying you have to use our memory card, which Sony has done with like the PS Vita and they got ridiculed because they cost so much. Yeah. Uh, so I think with, I think Xbox won't make that mistake. I think they'll know what it's going to cost to buy like a one terabyte expansion for a PS4 and they're going to make their own version equal to that. They're not going to make it cheaper or more expensive to, to get the Microsoft branded one because it would just be, that would kill them if they did that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'll probably be lazy and try to keep my, uh, or cheap too, and keep my USB 3.0 drives and kind of treat it like you were saying, like the, the games that I want to play will be on the SSD inside the Xbox and everything yeah. else will kind of just be stored and I can shift things around depending on my mood. Well, Especially, the, go ahead. the external drive is not a lot. One terabyte now, like gets pretty full. So I think I need at least one of these expansion cards, maybe two. Uh, and then having two Xboxes, it's going to be an easy way to move them around. You know, you don't have to do... At the moment, I'm using an external hard drive and network transfer to move between them. Uh, if we're going to get like 200 gig games, I think it's probably going to be an easy way just to say, I'm playing these four games right now. They're on the memory card because I want to move them between Xboxes. Uh, and only have one version to update. Yeah. Well, I'm not ready for gigantic games. Um but like, like you, I have two Xboxes, so buying a disc is kind of out as well. So whatever, future Steve problem. Um, there, are huge, there aren't huge. There are differences between the next-gen consoles, but like in, in reality at this point, I don't think one has a huge advantage over the other. I think the Xbox Series X is probably going to cost more than the PS5, taking into account its, its better specs. Um, so like there's I pros think- and cons, I think, to either. I think Microsoft will be all over what PlayStation is doing. PlayStation is the whole time they've been waiting for Xbox to show their hand. And then I think they've been trying to trump them, but they realized they couldn't with the specs because Xbox was so far ahead. The, what I'm seeing basically, I mean, I don't, the specs go over my head as well, but the analysis I've seen is basically the Xbox One X Series X is going to be more powerful across the board, generally speaking, but the PS5 has a better SSD setup, so things may load a bit quicker. Uh, maybe those two things will cancel each other out and games will pretty much be the same. So there's pros and cons to both setups. Um, I don't think, even with the extra power, I think Microsoft will just look at whatever Sony does and match it because the P- the Xbox One launched for $100 US more because it had Kinect in it than the PS4 and that was it, game over. So I just I don't think they'll allow that to happen again. And they're probably better suited than Sony to take a loss if they have to. Like you've got Microsoft, which is massive, and so is Sony, but Sony's probably needing their console division to make more money than than Xbox does. Yeah, well, I hope that's true as well because, yeah, if that uh, if the uh, pickup rate at launch, if that divide just it blows out exponentially like it did for... Uh, Xbox One versus PS4, like Microsoft couldn't catch up. Um, And I hope they're at even keel at least because that's better for us as players, I would say, rather than having one clear winner. Um, As an example, I guess taking something into account like crossplay, like 
basically Sony had to be dragged to the table kicking and screaming because it had such a market share they didn't want to give it away. So if, uh, mm. if everyone's kind of at even uh, keel, theoretically, um, they're more willing to do things like that for us. But anyway... We'll see how that It'll goes. be a different launch. This is probably going to be our, our least console warsy launch in that we already have cross-play. Um, the heads of studios and um, consoles, you know, they publicly congratulate each other on things. I think um, uh, someone from Sony, I can't remember who it was now, congratulated Phil Spencer on launching Game Pass in Japan um, last week. So, yeah, they're, obviously Xbox has been doing that for a long time to Sony. Nintendo doesn't really say anything, but people say good work Nintendo to them. <laughs> and then they, they, you know, don't reply. Uh, but yeah, so there's a lot more camaraderie between them. Um, and so we don't have that same kind of vicious, ours is better than yours. Like if you go back and look at some marketing for like the PS3 versus the 360, they were very just attacking the other brand. So we have a lot less of that. It's a lot more open now. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. The main thing is going to, it's going to come down to exclusive games and PlayStation is always going to say that's what we have. And at the moment, that's correct. So we'll have to just see what Xbox has a lot in the works with game studios, but they, they haven't announced a lot. So it's going to come down to those launch titles. They just need one or two big exclusives beyond Halo because the PS5 may well have Last of Us Part Two now. It got delayed and we don't have a release date. So the longer that goes, the more likely it is to be pushed to a cross-gen game, I'd say. Yeah. Well... Man, and good point with The Last of Us Part Two. Like, it's it was supposed to be out in May. It's been uh, delayed because of logistical issues. Um, the same kind of issues that I guess made it so we had Final Fantasy VII here in Australia early. Um, yeah. Sony has cited the logistical issues. Naughty Dog's come out after the fact and said, like, we just want to make sure everybody has the game at the same time. We don't want to have major things spoiled because some people get it and some people don't. Um, but from all the kind of stuff that you've heard about uh, development, it's probably just, you know, some polishing time that Naughty Dog can claim back because of the uh, current condition of the world, which is fine. Um, but yeah, like, like you just said, I wouldn't be surprised if they decide to hold off The Last of Us Part Two to PlayStation 5. Like, but there's no point in releasing it a couple months before. If yeah, that's, there's no point that's in launching that in September and then have a PS5 come in November. So... I think it will, be, it will be on PS4, but I think it will go to both. Uh, yeah. It's the obvious play now. Um, That's what Halo Infinite's doing across uh, console, yeah. across generations. So good news for us, I guess, apart from the, uh, the bad news of the delay, obviously. Um, it's impacted a whole bunch of other games, uh, Iron Man VR, Minecraft Dungeons. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see these delays continue. Um, I think, we were talking before, Ben, Cyberpunk 2077 is due in September, and CD Projekt Red said, no, we're fine, we're going to hit that, but it's it's a drastically different world uh, in every sense, but of course in development as well, so I don't know if... We'll, we'll see what happens with, we'll see. with that, with a whole bunch of other releases. Um, or even, you know, maybe to some extent. I think it's... Um, less of an issue with China kind of coming out of the coronavirus and easing off some restrictions. But like we, we might see the virus affect the launch of the consoles themselves. We don't, we don't know at this point. We don't know. I hope not, but I think even if the hardware's ready, it might be in shorter supply, so it might be harder to get one. But if the hardware's ready, but the software isn't, the consoles will get delayed. They're not going to launch them without a decent lineup of games. You know, the, the days of the N64 launching with two games are over. <laughs> 
they need to have you know 20 to 30 launch titles there day one if that can't happen because of this they have to delay them there's no other option so we don't know yet uh as you said the development has been affected but a lot of developers are working from home across the world so obviously it changes how they work but it can still be done the problem is with last of us is the game's pretty much done but they can't produce the discs and ship them like they normally would. They normally ship them pretty close to launch day and it's a very tight operation. That can't happen. So as much as a lot of us do just buy a digital copy, they're not going to leave the disc players, you know, high and dry and not be able to get a copy. So they want it to be even across the board. Um, That's why I think maybe Cyberpunk could be delayed if they can't get that, you know, we don't know what's going to happen by September, but if things aren't worldwide open again, they might decide that, you know, we can't. We can't launch then or we need to get these discs shipped like two months before the game actually launches. So we just have to see what happens. Yeah. Depressing. Uh- <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise it would be a great time to play. Like people are at home, they can download stuff, but it's just that people do still get physical copies and there's collector's editions. So it's getting those out is a logistical problem as well as that finishing of development. So it's yeah. not as easy as you'd think in a digital world. No. Especially when you're uh, stuck on ADSL too. Mm. That's just me feeling bad for myself. Um, anything else before we wrap up? I think we've probably hit an hour. I don't even know. That's a lot for one episode. I think we've we've recaught. We've connected. That's what you have to do in these times. You need to stay connected. Uh, yeah, we've we've caught up on games and where we're at for for now at least. Yeah. Well, we're not committing to any uh, publishing schedule by any means, but. Uh, I feel like we'll be doing more of these more often just because we've got some time on our hands, Ben. We've got the time. We've got the technology to do this. It's the only way you can uh, catch up with your friends and have an e-beer like we're doing right now. We can do that anyway, but you, we can't do it in real life. So we'll have to do it over Zoom at the moment. Correct. But uh, we'll uh, we'll put a pin in this one. We'll uh, go and play some video games together. Yeah, let's else do can it. Join us. Too bad for you guys. But um. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm SWriteAU on Twitter and Instagram and most things that are social media related. Ben, what are you? I am Ben underscore Salter on Twitter. That's where you can find me for general game musings. Not that much recently. I haven't played that much, but a little bit. Nice. Uh, and Survivor.com, of course, for video gamey things. A whole bunch of Resident Evil 3 guides. Uh, Ben's AFL Evolution 2 review. I reviewed Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, and lately there's been that weird, uh, crappy online casino study that says future gamers are going to be weird, hunchbacked, beer gutted, headset, dented head people. It's ridiculous. But, uh, if you feel like a laugh, go and go and take a look. Anyway, thanks for joining me, Ben. It's been great. It's been good to be back.